like scary movies? Uh-huh. I'm getting ready to watch a video. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. What's, what's, what's your favorite? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. Talk to me. Talk, talk to me. Hi, everybody. I'm George, and welcome to the second episode in our very special third annual Plutember subtitle, All Georgie Picks. <laughs> and here to help wrangle this puppy is the host of We Heard About Pluto and Happy Hour with Reegs. Please welcome the titular Pluto. I mean, the titular Reegs. <laughs> titular Pluto. I like, I do, I do yeah. like that. If I change my name to Pluto, isn't that a dog's name? It doesn't have to be. It was also the God. Bringing it back to humans. Yeah. Thanks, George. It's a thrill to be back here. And my seat is still a little warm from last <laughs> time. I'm enjoying mean, it. It's, it's, it's yeah, an honor. Quick turnaround. We got you right back in here. Happy Plutember. Happy Plutember to you and yours. And again, I want to just thank you for letting me have the fun of picking all three movies this month. It was a fun thing. I, you know, I know normally the deal is you get to pick, but I appreciate you making that sacrifice for this <laughs> third Plutember here. Oh, man. It's well, first of all, Plutember is a special time of year. It's a time of giving. It's a time of giving. It's a time of changing things up, like going outside the norms. And like that, that that's what we're trying to do here. And you know what? Your track record is air. T- it's 100 percent. You're you're bad wow. 100 here with the movies you pick. And it takes the pressure off of me too, frankly, to <laughs> pick a good movie. There we go. Oh, so, yeah, it's a win win. So the movie we're talking about today, our second Georgie pick is Constantine, directed by Francis Lawrence. Now, are you familiar with Constantine, the movie, the comic book character? Have you seen this before? What's your sort of exposure to Constantine? For sure. So this is one of the movies that I owned on DVD from when it came out, and I still have said DVD. From like, I don't know how long, it's almost 20 years now, like 18 crazy, years, something crazy. like that. Yeah, 2005, that was my peak DVD collecting phase. So the, then this was one, I loved it. I mean, like, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I saw it right when it came out either way, like, you know, maybe shortly after it was out of theaters, but saw it then and it, lo- it just, it, it clicked with me. I loved it. It was, su- I just thought it was super cool. 18 year old Reeks just sure. ate this shit up and adult Reeks did too. So it's, it makes me feel good about some, like my high school self, you know, that I was kind of on the money with some of my cinema picks, but this was, yeah, yeah I ha- I never knew the the comic book though. I never, I, I didn't know any of the source material, just the movie. And it's been a while since I've seen it too. So it was nice to uh, dust it off and, and throw it back in. It's great. Loved it. Hell yeah. And I think that that is something that we share in that I saw it when it came out. I don't think in theaters because I wouldn't have been old enough even for that. This is rated R, right? Yeah, it is. It's gotta be. It's It's gotta gotta be. be. I don't think I did. Yeah. It's gotta be rated R. Well, there's no nudity. Maybe it's PG. He does cut his wrist, though. That's true. There's a lot of violence, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't find it. I guess we'll never know. It's impossible. It's impossible to find out. (laughs) It's impossible to find out. But I definitely didn't see it in theaters. I'm coming. I'm I'm putting my foot down. It didn't happen. But I did see it early, probably on DVD. And it's super, super fun to me. But I also did not read the comic book. Hmm. And this is a big thing because in my experience... The number one group of Constantine haters are, in fact, Constantine fans. Interesting. Who love the comic Hellblazer and reject the changes made to the story. Ugh. 
I don't know. Yeah. I have no affiliation with Hellblazer. Yeah. Me Sorry. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I don't <laughs> care if it's not like him. Comics get rebooted all the time anyway. Right. People, I think it's probably very easy for them to say, oh, both of them just admitted that they were very young when they first saw this movie, so it's nostalgia. But let me tell you, I watched it three times in the last week because there's two commentaries on it, and it held the hell up to repeat viewing. Oh, there's so much going on, too, and it kind of, like, spans a few different genres. I never understood, like, the... Oh, it's, you know, like, you know, crazy nerds are going to are going to get on their like on their high horse if anything changes from the original source material. But like, who fucking cares? Like, as long as it's good, if you change it and it's bad, uh, then like, you know, we can you can have a discussion. But this I feel like it's it's a great movie. Like, if you remove it from like what it's spoke, like maybe what it's referencing, because I didn't know that either. Like, I had no idea. Would you be surprised to know? That I had no idea that it was based on a comic until this conversation right now. Wow. That yes. would surprise me a little bit. Because yes. I did not. I had no idea. Like, I, I figured it came from some sort of, you know, source material. I didn't know it was a comic. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's objectively cool. So, yeah. you know, why not? I also just really like this era of comic book movies, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know? I remember in the moment being like, oh, the CGI is kind of not great a lot of the time, but... Often, the CGI has held up better than I might have expected, especially in this movie. And somewhere along the way, they just lost track of how to consistently make a comic book movie that was dark, but Mm -hmm. still entertaining. This, The Crow, Blade, I I genuinely think that if this movie had, like, a rockin' soundtrack, that it would be as iconic as Blade and The Crow. That's a really good point. And it, I've been on record saying Blade is my favorite Marvel movie. And they really, you're right. They, they, it seems like now, cause they made them all PG 13 and like, uh, entry level for, for mass audiences. And then I feel like they got a little put, like, not pushback, but like, hey, make a rated R one, make one for, you know, and then they made something like Deadpool, which is just rated R just for, you know, I don't know. It's not for the same reason. It's not like dark. It's not like something like this. It's not mm-hmm. got heavy themes and everything like that. It's just, I don't know. It's it's still more entry level to me. So they, they, they lost their way. Right. And Logan, I mean, Logan, Logan came out and everyone loved it. And then they were like, well, we're done with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you want, we, not every movie needs to make, you know, hundreds but even of that. Sorry, not to interrupt you. No, no. I was just going to say that, you know, I'm everyone has said this to death, too. But, you know. They don't make movies like this anymore, like this kind of like going for for something like this. Mm -hmm. At least like major studios don't. I don't know. I think that's exactly it, though, is that like Logan, even as good as it is and as serious tonally as it is, I still think that there is a disparity between the level of like fun that that movie is having and the level of fun that this or Blade or The Crow is having. Yes, I agree. And I just rewatched Blade recently. That's uh, like a couple months ago. Man, it's so good. It's, it's so good. It's so good. How are the sequel? I don't know. I, I feel like the there's there there's a I mentioned Deadpool and there's a Ryan Reynolds sequel. I don't know if that one's any good, but I thought Blade Trinity. the second one's good. I've heard. I don't know. <sighs> I haven't seen any of them. Here's here's the thing. OK, Blade 2 Blade on me. is good, but <laughs> you're saying that like. It's received poorly. And no, every everyone people say Blade Two is better than Blade. This is another George. The village is actually good. Kind of the take. village is actually good. <laughs> no, people people say that Blade Two is better than Blade, but in my opinion, 
Blade 2 is worse than Blade because there is a lot more characters. Mm. And I'm here to see Blade. Right. It's his name on the poster. Yes. I want to see Blade. And every time that Blade is not on screen, I am asking, where's Where's Blade? Blade? 100%. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what everyone should be asking. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, two, the, the 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 original Blade simplified. Now, there was only mm-hmm. like a few characters. There was uh, Deacon Frost. Of course. There was the... His henchman. His henchman. The old guy that worked with Blade. And the then... What was the name of that guy? I don't remember. It's Donald... It's someone Donald like, Logue. There Donald Logue. Right? I'm going to double check that just to make sure. Donald Logue. That's him, baby. Mm. Look at him. Oh, Tim. What a great character in Blade. <laughs> Terrific movie. <laughs> Terrific movie Film. and very similar to Constantine, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it Bring is. it all back, baby. Mm-hmm. Gotta reel it back in. I was about <laughs> to go off on another Blade tangent. <laughs> <laughs> this started all the way back in 1996 when Kevin Broadbin, original writer on the movie, suggested it. And after selling a few scripts, they had asked him his dream project, and he said Hellblazer. He was a fan of Alan Moore's Constantine from the start. He liked his non-flashy powers and the fact that he wore normal clothes, but also that he didn't want to give a shit, but couldn't fight his nature. He said that that was something that really spoke to him, is that there was this goodness in him that he couldn't fight against. That's interesting. And with Alan Moore, too. That's something, you know, I did not know that either. Big Watchmen fan. So there you go. I would probably would have ate this comic up, and then I, I would have been one of those <laughs> nerds that I chastised for being angry that they changed it. But no. yeah, he is he is pretty different. But you know, it's it, it is just like a, a different thing. Yeah. One funny note: they called the movie Constantine to avoid confusion between a potential movie named Hellblazer and Hellraiser, mm. which links to the comic's own name change from Hellraiser to Hellblazer. After the movie came out the year before. Interesting. Hellblazer, that might have taken it. I mean, a score, an effective score would have definitely done it. And I didn't think about that until you made that point. But Hellblazer. You think that would have been the move? I don't know. That's a cool name. It's a cool. Maybe you're right. Like it does kind of. But like it's far enough removed from Hellraiser, though, in terms of yeah. like release. I think for me, honestly, it just feels like I'm a little reluctant to deem it corny. <laughs> But it feels like a kind of a a wall to throw up between a potential audience and the movie. Whereas Constantine, I'm like, oh, it's a old timey name. Mm -hmm. What could it mean? What is this dude about? I don't know. There is a shroud of mystery to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be mad if it was named Hellblazer. That's for sure. Is it an overly religious name? Constantine? Is it in the Bible? I don't know. I don't think it's religious, but it is, like, tied to ancient Rome. Okay. Because I'm wondering, just, like, on the release, because I don't know how well it did box office-wise, but that could also be, because it doesn't evoke, because if it was a name that evoked religion, you'd get all the religious freaks out there that would want to go see it. They're like, oh, it's hell. It's hell. Right. It's hell. Yeah. And then they would probably, you know, walk out at a certain point. But they would still buy the ticket. So, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. It's maybe it's I, it's it's a good name. I like the name and I like how they use it in the movie. But if I don't know if Hellblazer would have sold more tickets, I don't know. But there's still, you know what? Who cares? It doesn't fucking matter because they're making a Constantine two. So finally, finally, all this time. Yeah, it's long overdue. Long overdue. Hi everyone. 
George here from this episode's future, my present, and your past. I have a correction that is big enough to not just put into the show notes. So, Constantine, the reason I had heard it associated with ancient Rome before is, of course, Constantine the Great was the Roman emperor who was the first to convert to Christianity. So, it is an overtly religious name. Enjoy the rest of the episode. But Kevin worked up this great pitch about a rock star of the occult who did exorcisms not for religious reasons, but more as an extreme sport to bedevil the devil, he said. Sold, in my opinion. Yeah, that's cool as hell. The problem was that as he brought this pitch to studios, nobody he talked to had heard of this property. So they kept being like, why is he English? Can we make him American? (laughs) Until he finally capitulated. He sold the movie in 96, then worked on it until 98, when it went to, among others... Writer Frank Capello, this was now 1999, three scripts removed from Kevin's. And when it came to Frank, it was much more Saturday morning serial, quote, comic book movie. That's how he described it. And he said, wow, this sucks. (laughs) But when he actually read the comics, he saw that same appeal that Kevin did, that love for humanity, but willingness to sacrifice his friends, to shoulder the burden of ghosts, literal and figurative. And I think that... He is kind of an extreme example of, like, doing things for the greater good, no matter what the sacrifice might entail. A lot of his friends wind up dead in this movie, and in the comics as well, is my understanding. That's interesting, yeah, because I'm so glad that they didn't make it the the Saturday morning cartoony type movie, because it does hit on some heavy themes, and if you remove religion from it, it still can work, like you know, existence and like, yeah, it's just, uh, the appreciation of existence, I guess is, is more of a, a of an overarching theme throughout, mm-hmm. but and yeah, it, it's, it, it, I don't know. It's just, it, 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 if it was just something like popcorn movie or something like that, I think it could have, I think that would have been ahead of its time too. Cause I don't think the, like, like I said, it doesn't fit in kind of the Avengers or any other of the comic book movies that are out there. Mm-hmm. Sort of Justice League up. Dark, in right. fact, is what it is. It's because mm-hmm. there's Justice League, and then you have all the freaks like Swamp Thing and, <laughs> and Constantine in, in Justice League Dark. Love that. And they, yeah. they, just, they keep doing that, too. I don't know. How does this movie do? It, can't, it couldn't have done well. It did okay. I mean, it had a budget of like 75 to 100,000. No, 100 million. Right? Yeah, that's how that's, that's how, how that's movie, how yeah, that's, that's how, how movie budgets work. <laughs> <laughs> it had a budget of around seventy five million to a hundred million. And then it got about worldwide two hundred and thirty one million. So it got like triple triple back, which is pretty good. Not enough to really justify going bigger and bigger with it, but and this is also the problem with <laughs> with these huge budgets, right? These these inflating mm-hmm. budgets is that You'd think that two hundred and thirty-one million dollars is pretty fucking good. Yeah, I'd like it. Yeah, that was a couple mil over Reeves' way. That's right. Hey, bring us on to Constantine too. Yeah. Oh, we got to get that. We heard about Pluto Boys in on Constantine too. It's not yeah. even being filmed yet. We can get in as extras shooting. Yeah, let's start the campaign. Right in campaign starts with this episode. Hashtag WAP. In Constantine 2? I don't know. It's long. <laughs> we'll workshop it. We'll <laughs> workshop it. By the time the episode comes out, you'll see a hashtag. There'll, there'll be a hashtag, and you'll know what it means. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think uh, too, like it's also not for really anybody, but it's also can be for this movie. It it, mm-hmm. it it can be for everyone, I guess, except for like super religious people, because mm-hmm. like it's all it exists in a world where it's some they introduce some lore between heaven and hell and everything like that, which I don't know how that would appeal to them. But <laughs> I'm interested to like the the target audience for this movie. I don't know who it is. I don't. But it, yeah, it is kind of strange. Yeah. But he started developing this script. Producers came and went. There were lawsuits about it. Eventually, producer Akiva Goldsman was on the project with director Francis Lawrence and star Keanu Reeves. You also have Rachel Wise across from him as the fish out of water detective Angela Dodson. I think she's really great as the sort of emotional core of this movie. But what I really like is that it's not really a love story. Mm-hmm. There's a little flirtation between them, but nothing lasting. And I think that it feels true to the character that they develop for Constantine. He doesn't feel like the type to just be like, oh, I'm suddenly so brought back from the brink that I am interested in pursuing this relationship. It's more like he has thought a little bit. It's funny, too, because I I feel my only it's not even a knock. It's just like if I was to say anything that could have. And I like her character a lot, but it, it, her development almost feels a little rushed. Like she's mm-hmm. almost more interesting of a character than Constantine is. Mm-hmm. Like she can also, she has the powers, the like the not powers, but like she can. She's psychic. She's psychic. Yeah, and like she, like it's it's you know it, it's I would like they could have like she could have her own like spinoff type of thing, and they would do that kind of thing now. But yeah, yeah, she was she was great. She was great in it. Psychic detective being driven mad by guilt. <laughs> I'd watch that. That's a cool fucking movie. Like, I don't know. I would watch that shit. As far as the reception, yeah, it made about triple its budget, but people did slam the movie. Not only the the nerds, but the critics as well. Old Raj, back at it again. Constantine made his most hated list. But you know what else is on there? Tommy Boy. So what the fuck does that guy know? Yeah, nothing. Clearly knows nothing. Tommy Boy's gold. Yeah, Tommy Boy's Gold, Halloween 3 also on there, and that's wrong as hell. That's interesting, because it would be for, like, a, you know, it, it's it's not a very well-known comic, too. So I feel like that's that's good for, you know, the source material it was based on. I didn't, I had no idea. It wasn't mainstream enough, for sure. Yeah, and well, it's also interesting, because Alan Moore refused credit on the movie. Oh, it's very like him, I feel. Well, and and a lot of people, the people who did hate the movie were like, oh, Alan Moore was right to do that. But it's more a comment on the adaptations of From Hell and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that came before it than this movie, because he already made that agreement before the movie came out. He wasn't like, oh, I saw it and demanded that they pull my name from it. Do these suck in real life? I don't know. Like, I like his. I don't don't think so. I feel like he's just a crotchety old man. Yeah. Like. Also, a lot of the times, he, I mean, he's, like, right a lot of the times yeah. in terms of, like, artist rights and stuff when you read about what he thinks about, like, the way he was exploited by these companies. Mm. It's hard to be, like, yeah, you're fucking wrong, you kook. Right. You're just like, oh, yeah, he's he's angry about the way the industry treated him. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, like it's and you want, especially when you create something. You know, like Watchmen, I know is his probably is probably his biggest work, I would think, right? Or did he also so, do or Swamp Thing? Swamp Thing too, yeah. But yeah, you wanna yeah, you wanna mean artistic integrity. I get that. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't know. He just seemed he does seem crotchety. I don't know if I remember hearing something about him. 
that was I don't remember though. <laughs> Not gonna try to. <laughs> Look, in a crotchety old man off, I'll take Alan Moore over Frank Miller. So <laughs> Oh yeah. Maybe that's who I'm talking about. Frank maybe. Miller. Maybe he's, City Frank he's Miller, right. yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Also, the um, he did that Batman comic where Batman is like a fucking lunatic. <laughs> oh, nice. It's kind of crazy in the regular stuff too. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's, no, he's, he's actually normal to me. <laughs> that's how I act as well in my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You are like a billionaire. I keep forgetting that. I see yeah. your Plutember tree in the background, and it is staggering. <laughs> immense it's it, it's actually the one that they were gonna use for rockefeller center but then couldn't afford mm, that's right couldn't afford it from you because right. you ha- yeah <laughs> you couldn't afford it nbc yeah it's wild well it's a special time though <laughs> thankfully though this movie has grown to have more stature you know it is a bit of a cult classic now People do recognize it for what it is. It is finally getting a sequel. So uh, the constant Teds have made their voices heard. And uh, yeah, you know, all the way to today where it's being declared the best horror movie ever made. Best horror movie ever made. Indeed. It's I'm so psyched for the Constantine. I had no idea that that was even I kind of fell off. Like I watched this and loved it. And then you brought it up. I'm like, Constantine. Yeah, I fucking remember this movie. I loved it so much. Let's watch it again. Hell yeah. And now hearing that there's a sequel to it, especially coming off the heels of just watching it, it's yeah, I'm still fresh. Yeah, I'm fresh. And it's it doesn't necessarily set itself up for a sequel. It kind of does, but it's also it could exist on its own. Yeah, but they there is also a lot. It's densely packed with some lore that they could easily explore, which I'm very excited for that rhymed three rhymes. Did you catch that? I caught it, baby, and I loved it. I didn't even intend to do that. I think what part of what's interesting about the movie, and I think that this sort of ties into what you're talking about, is that, and this was purposeful by them, it almost feels like the sequel to a movie that we didn't get. Like, this feels like they don't bother being like, here's the rules of Constantine. Here's what he can do. You're just thrown into this world. He's already doing it yeah. in the first scene. He's got holy brass knuckles. Yeah. He just has those. Right. And you go, oh, great. There he is with his holy brass knuckles. That's cool as hell. I'm on board. So let's get into the actual movie. Yes. The credits start. They're fucking cool. Akiva Mm -hmm. in the commentary literally introduces himself and goes right into these credits were really expensive. (laughs) (laughs) But they rock. The Warner Brothers et al. logos are suddenly in hell and crumbling to the next one. It's pretty sick. Yeah. It's a great way to start. Yeah, real good tone setter. And we get this little preface. He who possesses the Spear of Destiny holds the fate of the world in his hands. And the Spear of Destiny has been missing since the end of World War II. Mm. Spear of Destiny. The spear that killed Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm already learning. I'm already learning. And I'm two seconds into the movie. Yeah. Great. Great stuff. That's exactly right. It's it, it's really edutainment. It, it, it is edutainment. And I didn't have a word for it. And I kept thinking like, wow, I'm learning, but I'm also enjoying. <laughs> and I wish I could combine that into one word, but I can't. If only. Yes. Now we can. Now we can. In Mexico, a scavenger finds the Spear of Destiny. It's wrapped in a Nazi flag and then hidden in, in the floor of a burned out Mexican church. They talked in the commentary about how this was scaled down from a Turkish prisoner digging his way to freedom when they realized, hey, we can't afford a prison. 
let alone the digging equipment that would require. Yeah. So he stalks off with this spear, shrugging off a car, slamming into him, and suddenly a symbol appears on his wrist. Spooky. That was a cool, badass opener. Just him getting Mm -hmm. hit by the car, the smash, wakes you up. It does. Get you ready for it. Get you ready for action. Oh, yeah. Cut to a woman finding her daughter possessed. That girl was actually on the ceiling with wires, and she got cast by sending in a 20-minute video of herself tied up and acting possessed. Oh, my God. That's awesome. They talked in the commentary about, like, they tell the story, and then they're like, "Uh, we fucked up because now we're going to encourage people to do that. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's a skill. Whatever works, I guess. It's a skill. Yeah. Constantine, though, this is Keanu Reeves, has been called in by a defrocked priest who's all nerves thanks to an intruding psychic ability leading to his alcoholism. And he arrives, I mean, it looks so slick. It's like the shots of panning over a hero's weapon before he goes into battle. Only here, it's a cigarette and his lighter. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fucking badass. There's it's a particularly so great shot of him resting the cigarette on the dresser. Mm-hmm. And it just like lingers on it in the foreground. It's almost like an hourglass type deal. Yeah. It's like timing him. Like yes. the ash. I love that. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. So it was actually an oversized cigarette to get that shot. That makes sense. And it was a real cigarette. Don't they have like fake movie cigarettes? Mm-hmm. I wonder if they use real cigarettes. I know he does. I don't think he smokes, but right. great smoking movie either way. Great cigarette awareness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a great smoking movie until it's not. Yeah. Until it, yeah. Well, the end. He opens the window, though, and the sun streams in in another great looking shot. And the exorcism is just great. It's fun. It's a really fun opener. You also get a good fake out where it looks like he kicked it out easily with the amulet. Then it like surprises him by sort of leaping out of her throat. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Killer opener too. Like, yeah, she crushes it in the scene. I get why she she sent the she got the part. Like that, mm-hmm. it was it was a it was a it was a good exorcism. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it looks good too. The yeah. demon like smashing its arm through the mirror looks right. fucking cool. It attempts to cross onto our plane which crosses Constantine off guard because that's not something that demons can do. So what's up here? That's part of the the lore that they introduce, like stuff like that, which I find very interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they can kind of do whatever they want. They can have fun with this kind of stuff. And this is them having fun with that. I'm I'm here for it. I ate it up, loved it. Yeah, I love when when you're talking about established fictional being. Mm Mm-hmm. Like vampires or werewolves or demons in this case, mm-hmm. it can be very beneficial to sort of throw a wrinkle into what they can and can't do. And this idea of only the half breeds being able to be on our plane and actually interact with us and influence us, but demons and angels having to stay in heaven or hell is a pretty interesting thing that they're adding to the to the sort of mystique right and it establishes the universe in a really effective way like these are the rules of what's happening and that, that's really it like they don't really go much else into it they kind of mm-hmm. just like hey here's kind of what's happening and then here you go here's everything else which i i appreciate i don't want to get beat over the head with with stuff and, they, and that would be easy for them to do too considering it's a pseudo religious type movie yeah I also thought it was interesting, they discussed in the commentary, how even in the script, they were very careful to consider what's extraordinary for us, 
and what's extraordinary for Constantine. Because mm. he's the definition of jaded. Right. And what's unique about this movie is that it, you, it effectively puts you in Constantine's perspective enough to understand what's unusual without the characters, snarkily or otherwise, having to exposition at it, right? That we, when he, the thing jumps out of her throat, mm -hmm. and he is taken aback, and we see that this is bizarre to him through his acting, and not through him being like, wow, I can't believe this is happening, like, that just happened. <laughs> it's just wholly unnecessary. And that effective perspective communication is what makes Constantine compelling because we see that the way he interacts with the world is different from how others are sort of creeping around and scared all the time. Everyone else who can see these things is terrified, but he is confident and we're drawn to him because of that. Right. And he's already established. He's establishes like a position of authority in a way, like right away. Like, yeah. you know, he's going to take care of business. Yeah, but something different has happened here, and the cigarette, as we said, does play into this. He expected to be in and out without it extinguishing, and he's disgusted as he picks it up. <laughs> Kaput. It's old, stale. Yeah, you don't want to stale as a smoker, trying to be former smoker, but you don't want a stale cigarette. They're disgusting. Cigarettes are already disgusting, but a stale cigarette is even more disgusting than that. Double. So imagine that. Double disgusting. Right. His apprentice, Chaz Kramer, Shia LaBeouf, yes. drives him home. Drives pretty fun in this movie. It's not the biggest role, but I think he does a good job with it. This is another change from the comics is that Chaz Kramer is like peers with Constantine. And here he is much younger than him. And, and in this sort of, you know, apprentice. dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Apprentice dynamic. Yeah, that's interesting too. Like that, knowing that, because I don't know what I would have liked more. Like, I do like the like. I thought he was good in this movie, and I liked his character. But it is like the the master apprentice type dynamic is it, it can be a little overdone. So mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have liked the the like colleague mm -hmm. dynamic more. Who knows? I don't know. We'll never know. I don't know. We'll, we'll never, never know. know. But he was good. He was good, and I liked his character. He had a couple really good moments. Mm-hmm. Especially in the the moving the car was funny. He's good as the the like a humor button on a lot of the scenes. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of humor in the movie. Sometimes it's just like wry humor from John. But whenever there is like a joke, it's usually coming from Chaz. Yeah, Ch I'm Chaz Kramer. Yeah, his him saying his name is funny, and then the car, him moving the car at the at the start of the exorcism with the mirror. Is, is yeah. also funny. Like that. Yeah, he's imitating Constantine by like practicing saying like, "Oh, it's it's Chaz Kramer, bitch." <laughs> it's it really is funny. Yeah, he's good. Chaz drives him home. He he resents being sort of just the driver. He doesn't right. get really brought in on things, but he drives him home to an apartment above a bowling alley. You get this beautiful noir shot as Constantine. Constantine just sits alone with his thoughts, just like such. Such moody lighting. I fucking love the way that this movie looks. I love that. That's one of the things that I first noted. I mean, I knew I would love this movie, but I'm like, God damn, this looks so fucking cool. Like all the shit. Like, it, it, it's something I completely forgot about how just gorgeous this movie really is. And second, two fictional characters that I know 
live above a bowling alley is now Constantine and Frank Grimes from wow. The Simpsons. There he is, folks. Above a bowling alley and below another bowling alley. So that's cool. Constantine and Frank Grimes. I'd like to see that movie right there. He's in the sequel. <laughs> that's going to be our contribution is we're going to get Frank Grimes on uh, on Constantine, too. And there's a scene where they just commiserate about living adjacently to a bowling alley. Like, right. oh, God, the pin setting is awful. He's like, oh, you think you have it bad. <laughs> the smell of the, the spray they put in those shoes. It's getting in through the vents. Oh, we also get a really cool transition as uh, it seems like he reacts to Rachel Wise's Angela pulling the sliding door in a confessional. Just like a really slick. There's a lot of this sort of crossing paths. Mm -hmm. They talked about how frequently, even though they do sort of interact here and there, John moves often right to left or left to right. I forget which I wrote it down somewhere. Stage left. Script. He moves from one direction to the other, and she moves in reverse of him, which creates this sort of unconscious feeling of them going towards each other and this inevitability of their meeting. Mm -hmm. Their connection. But yeah, that's what takes this movie from good to great, in my opinion. Like, that's like in it's it looks it's so, like the way it's shot and everything, the cigarette on the dresser. Like, we'll get to it, but, like, you know, Midnight's Place, I fucking love. Like, it's just, there's so... Even just the shot of this church. You yeah. get this crazy, ostentatious church. They're not in your face about it, too. It's just kind of, it it, it, it just is. And I don't know, and I, I'm, like, and everyone just listen. Like, I know JP is the other cast member of We Heard About Pluto. I know he's coming on, and I know he explains things way better than I do, but you're just going to have to... Bear with me when I say things look good, because this does look just, it just does. It's so yeah, good. It sure it's does. so folks. good. Look at it and argue with me. Tell me it doesn't. Find him. T Twitter, at Reeks815. Argue with him about how it looks. I say, Constantine doesn't look good. And I'll be like, okay, you're wrong. I'll probably hit you with a gif. That's probably what <laughs> I'll do. Come get some, folks. Come get some. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's, it looks really good. It's awesome. <laughs> As we said, she's a cop with psychic abilities. She always knows where the bad guys will be and when to shoot and whatnot. So her weapon discharge rate is way above average. And she's here because she is tortured by the number of lives that she's claimed because of this. This is where she becomes the emotional arc of the of the movie. And I think they could have explored her like again, they could have explored her a little bit more because we don't really get much of her being a cop. Like, we right. get a lot of her just become, like, it, it's very rushed to me. But, like, this, yeah, that, that kind of heaviness to it, like, hey, I've killed so many fucking people. Like, that's, yeah, the parallels Constantine in a very interesting way. And they kind of blow past it a little bit, which I understand because you can't make like a three and a half hour movie. You know, this is not right. It's still two hours. Right. They do talk in the commentary about how they cut a lot of the stuff between her and her partner. There was talk of them having an affair, and that was, like, a part of the movie as well. And then, yeah, they were like, we kind of just need to focus on Constantine. The movie is getting a little uh, unwieldy. So I do agree that there is plenty of Angela to explore, but also I kind of like that she just, like, has depth while still being, like, the the co-star, yeah. right? 
I think it just works to make her an interesting character, even if we are left wanting a little more, which I, I'd rather have it be left wanting more than just like it come out and be like, oh, that actually sucked. And yeah. it turns out I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't, didn't want, want more. this Angela movie. Yeah. <laughs> this Angela movie fucking sucks. <laughs> no, I agree. Like I, uh, yeah, you're right. Like I'd rather w- want more and that's good. That's a, that it, it makes, I guess for an effective character Yeah, that, that they're able to establish that kind of dense backstory without really showing you it. So, yeah. Yeah. She hears a voice, which is in the director's voice. In fact, say Isabel, and she wakes up in a hospital, runs to the roof, fingers a similar marking to the man with the spear, and then throws herself off. Mm. Fucking amazing shot. Yeah. And she tumbles through the sky, catching a glass ceiling that we didn't see at first, before tumbling with the shards into a pool. So cool. And as she dies, her pupils dilate. You're just like... Holy fuck. Right. When you, when the water, when you're like in the perspective of the water and it looks like that's the plane that she's going to break. And instead she hits the glass ceiling. Yeah. It's so cool. And the, it's such a shock. Yeah. And the way the glass breaks too, mm-hmm. really like, oh, it was, I, I ate it up. I loved it. And it's, it cuts to like it being a semi dream sequence or it's seemingly one. Right. Angela wakes up distraught. Right. And it's just, it's, ah, it's, it's so good. It's because you don't know too. You have to like put the pieces together as you're watching the movie, what's actually happening. And like, it's also, I don't know if it's been established yet that like they're twin sisters. This is when we learn basically. Yeah. She, it's more than just a dream. It was a vision of her sister who did jump last night and she gets called in Mm -hmm. on this. They're like, oh, you don't have to do this one, but she, she insists. So this is role number two. For for Rachel Wise here, she's not only Angela, but she's also Isabel. Oh, she gets paid double. Well, she also, spoiler alert, has a third role later in the movie as Mammon. That's true. Turning Mamon. into a, a regular nutty exorcist <laughs> over here. Goddamn son of the devil. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Constantine wakes up in the night as well, although his is for a much more grounded reason. He's coughing up blood from lung cancer. Yeah, this is where this this is where it becomes not a great smoking movie. <laughs> they show you both. They show you the coolness of smoking yeah. and the dangers of smoking. They say make an informed choice. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Here's everything that comes with it. <laughs> Officer Angela is at the scene of her sister's death. And this dummy was made by Stan Winston. It is insanely lifelike mm-hmm. as she picks hairs out of the face and like the little glass shards out of the forehead. Oh my god, that's wild! I thought I assumed that was CGI. I did not know that was uh, a dummy. A dummy. That's that. That's wild. Is the guy like a big dummy guy oh, in Hollywood? He's he's one of the biggest effects guys. He worked on. You've seen the thing, right? The huge dog thing that turns it's like a tree, basically. That was his special effect. Wow. As well. Stan Winston. He's fucking incredible. Legend. Legend. Indeed. I also love that part of what Angela is bringing to this, especially this relationship with Isabel, you know, in this in this scene is that the movie sort of doesn't skirt emotion despite being a genre piece mm-hmm. that it sort of allows you to feel the depth of emotion that might lead to these characters making the decisions that they do. And I think that 
it's very easy for a for a comic book movie to be superfluous mm-hmm. and to just be sort of fluff not to have this kind of scene like it's right. or like it's yeah, and they don't do too much of this too there's not much of this like it kind they kind of get away from like she wants to give her a catholic funeral and everything and make sure she gets into heaven and then it kind of she kind of becomes a different person Mm-hmm. Not like in terms of what wanting that, but just her what what happens to her, right? But I do like that they give you this too because it, it it's it separates it. Even other comic book movies that do sort of have these these pivotal moments where like oh, you know, sure, this is going to be a bad example because I actually do think that the Uncle Ben stuff can be impactful when done right, but uh, there is also a lot of examples of it not being done right, mm-hmm. and. I think that this is that sort of time when it is accomplishing the emotions that you want to feel in those powerful scenes of despair that drives comic book characters forward. That's true. Spider-Man one, probably my favorite uncle Ben depiction, the movie. Sure. Yeah. It's powerful. It is with great power comes great responsibility. Like that's wow. That's really good. Did uh, you just come up with that? Like, I think I did. Yeah. I was talking, what was I just talking about? Nothing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. You can hashtag me that to me too. Like talk about well, what's the other one with uh with Constantine is bad. And I'll just like just you give me credit online for that. Yeah, you pop- say Riggs, you're crazy and Constantine looks like shit, but big ups for coming up with that great line about power and responsibility. Like I'm using that in my real life. Like say stuff like that. Like that'd be great. Yeah. This is the same hospital where Constantine was getting some medical attention. So, yeah, we get this fun ships in the night stuff with the elevator. She says, oh, are you going down? He says, not if I can help it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, uh, oh, here's where here's where I wrote it down. Constantine moves left to right. Angela moves right to left in the first act to give them this feeling of converging paths. Super cool. That's like the subtleness that you need. Like, I feel like you need a second and third watch to catch stuff like that. But I think that even when you don't consciously catch it. That you still feel it. Yeah. That you feel that driving them together. That, that yeah, inevitability of their connection. Mm-hmm. Her saying that, Isabel saying the word Constantine and that video, like, it just, yeah, it's, it, it, they, 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 they don't hit you over the head with it, too. And they, I think they tie it, like, but I don't want to spoil it, but they tie it off well. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing, the arc is great. Like, it's not. It's not the typical love story type thing, but it's a uh, yeah. They, they just have some sort of connection, and you can yep. feel it almost the moment that they meet. It's great. We get a fun check in with the spear guy out in a bunch of out in a field. A bunch of cows die and rot immediately as he walks past. Fun ass scene. I love that. Man, how many cows do they have to like? That's it's tragic. Really, it's, it's funny that you say it's fun. Because I thought, I looked at it and I saw, wow, they're killing all these cows. That sucks. I'm I'm just a bit of a, a, a sicko. <laughs> yeah, you're a bit what of a... What can I say? Cow hater to, over to here. To me, that's normal. <laughs> that's fun, even. Yeah. We're decked out in leather right now. That's, yeah. I didn't even put it together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating a hamburger. <laughs> a lot of unnecessary leather accessories. I just want, I didn't want to say it, but like now that we're talking about it, leather like, sunglasses, leather sunglasses are a bit much. Leather ascot, a leather COVID mask. <laughs> yeah. Like you're inside by yourself too. Like, it you know? doesn't breathe at all. 
It's so sweaty. My in face here. is so sweaty. <laughs> My breath is terrible right now. Oh, that would really be bad. Yeah. Leather earmuffs. Leather earmuffs, yeah. Leather headphones. Leather headphones that I put over my leather earmuffs. Yeah, over your leather earmuffs. Like, that's just, that's hat on a hat type thing. Like, your ears, I can see the ear sweat, too. Yeah. I mean, this is after I took out my leather Invisalign. (laughs) Right. It's not invisible. It's not (laughs) invisible at all. It's, yeah. It's, it's very, in fact dark black leather line, which yeah, I don't know who's asking for that. Is what I meant. I guess you are me. Yeah, me. it's You're, custom, baby. Yo, it's bespoke as fuck. Well, dog. you can afford that fucking blue timber tree. I assume. Yeah, yeah you can afford leather line. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it. Back at home, Constantine stocks up on his holy weapons from Beeman, which is a fun scene. One detail in this that I really like is that while most of the gear is very ancient. They still find stuff to use in modernity as, you know, that he uses the bullet shavings from the assassination attempt on the Pope. Mm-hmm. When you think about, like, holy weapons, you don't necessarily think about bullets. But, right. Yeah, bullet shavings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. It's another part of the, yeah, like the, the, that kind of stuff, like blending in modern, modernality, as you call it, with that kind of, like, religious lore. Mm-hmm. Very cool. They walk that fine line really well, which... I don't think I even noticed until like discussing it right now. It's it's very well done. I like it. He goes to see Gabriel, an angel who presides over humanity and what is essentially the shit detail from God. And this is Tilda Swinton, who absolutely kills it. Androgynous ethereality mixed with acerbic disdain for humanity. And in this way, Gabriel as as a character is a great subversion of what you expect an angel to be like. They're mocking and unhelpful as Constantine asks for an extension, saying, I'm doing good work for your side lately. Gabriel's like, uh, you're fucked, dude. Totally fucked. And th- what you're doing is selfish all along on top of that. This is tough for him because you, you're rooting for Constantine. You want him to get into heaven. I mean, come on. Like, if heaven's well established, like he's doing heaven's work, like, let him in. Yeah. Let him in. You know, but like they and this is another one, too, where I think this is the first kind of religious based movie that I ever watched where it was depicting the wrathful, vengeful God, you know, like mm-hmm. the not like, you know, Sunday church type movie. You know, they, they, I don't know if they made many. I'm sure that many existed, but this is the first one I watched. So it was cool to kind of depict the church in that kind of light. This is where it takes that turn where this is not like a well, there's obviously a lot of violence, but still like where they they, they really pack you with the lore in this scene here where yeah. the, these are the rules here that like you're not getting in because of this and god doesn't fucking care what you're doing because <laughs> it's it's selfish so yeah yeah i cool. also think tilda was just like a master stroke of casting yeah she's so perfect in this role she shows up for i think she's only in it for a couple scenes and yeah she crushes it she's eaten folks yeah, she, she is eaten she is eaten they fed her they served it Mm-hmm. She showed up and she's eating. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Angela shows up too at this same church, although she's there to talk to a priest in their parallel paths. Uh, she says, So you're rude no matter where you are. <laughs> Constantine gets nowhere with Gabriel, so he leaves in a huff. And Angela hears Chaz calling after Constantine and makes the connection about who he is. Meanwhile, the priest is doing some psychic stuff with the newspaper and he lands on the report of the suicide. 
And Angela is watching the security footage of her sister. And in the moment before jumping, she looks over her shoulder and whispers Constantine. And it leads to creepy phone ringing. Woo. <laughs> the priest, uh, the psychic scene was really Father cool. Father Hennessy. Yeah. yeah where he, Taylor Vance really awesome as, as this character. He's going over all the newspaper articles with his hand and like just like hearing it. I was I think that was very well done. I, I, I enjoyed that. Sweaty, sweaty man. Yeah. Like so like the, it's the visceral kind of feeling that comes with being a psychic or like that. It's just, they capture that really well. Like the physical mm -hmm. toll that it, that would take. Yeah. I think he does a really great job with it as well. John, meanwhile, is looking up at a mocking memento Mori billboard, warning him his time is running out to buy a new Chevy. <laughs> that was such a funny billboard. Like that's yeah. another like little subtle joke that they, not subtle, but like a little joke that without saying it, that they throw in there. Cause that is a funny, but like, have you ever seen anything like that? Your time is running out to buy a new Chevy. <laughs> I see it's... it every day. I have the, I have that poster up in my damn room. Oh, that's true. I do see it. Like it's tucked away because it's dwarfed by that insane tree, like <laughs> we, we talked about. But that would yeah. be a crazy ad campaign to me. Like your <laughs> your time is running out. I feel like they say time is running out. They say that. I don't know, but like to like the because I guess you're right with the context of the movie. It is because he's caught. He's got lung cancer. So yeah, yeah. Maybe that does add to it. It does happen, know. but it it is a uh, yeah definitely layered here, double entendre, if you will. I will. I will. Now, you heard it. It's a <laughs> it's a nice comedic beat. This also leads into a break from the heavy dialogue scenes as suddenly Vermin Man attacks. Mm. I love his little foreshadow with a rat and a, a crab. I guess oh, yeah. uh, I guess if tuna is chicken of the sea, that crabs are the rat of the sea. <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. And yeah, th th this is a cool scene, kind of how he like forms and everything. Like, yeah, he's like the inside of Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, it is. It's kind of disgusting. Yeah. This is where the CGI kind of works, though, too, because I don't even really realize it. But I also have to put, like, this is 2005. It looks fine. It looks great. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool fight. John has to use the screaming beetle to break apart his form, and then he, like, tricks him into getting nailed by a car. It's fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Who says no? Yeah. Fight with moving cars around. The tension's yeah. there. Is he going to get hit yeah. by a car? Who knows? Yeah. They go to Midnight's Bar, although Chaz can't get in, which is funny. This is basically Casablanca, where half-breeds of both sides can cut loose, mm -hmm. but he knows them, and they know him, and it makes everybody uneasy. Under the... And we, like, this is this is what I'm talking about. Like, this shit fucking works for me. Like, the, mm -hmm. the Midnight's Bar, the neon lights, how it... I just... I could watch the scene over and over, and just... <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy. It's, it looks so fucking cool. I love it. Just the 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 decor and the mm -hmm. lighting. Mm. All it's about great. It. It's great. It's great. And you have Jimon Hansu as as Midnight himself. Really, really fucking cool. Uh, the selling of relics is an homage to the comics, but he just fucking kills it as this sort of. He's tough and intimidating, mm -hmm. but also when he like lets loose and and is back on their side. 
it, that feels real too. Mm-hmm. Like it, he 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 is able to successfully portray both sides of it in a way that I think is difficult and is part of why so often these characters can come across as one note. One hundred percent, and he comes off as like a contemporary, yeah, Constantine, which is there's not many in this movie. Um, right, I believe he is like a villain in the in the books. But I like him here as this sort of intermediary. Yeah, and then he says it too. He says it later, like your action in Switzerland, like trying to play both sides of the yeah. of the battle. But yeah, no, I think and then another way to introduce kind of like the lore of the universe too, like the world build too. He does. That's he, right. He's a good vehicle for that. This is where we learn the key to Constantine's eventual triumph: that the devil hates him so much that he's the one soul he'd come collect personally. And that's cool as fuck. That's you cool know? as fuck, right? dog. That's cool as hell. Like to be to 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 have that. I'd say that all the time. If like <laughs> that, if that was me. Hey, you know the devil? Oh, you've heard of him? Oh, no. you know that guy? You know that guy? Oh yeah, I've heard Lu- of him too. Lucifer. Guess what? He's heard of me. He's coming <laughs> to collect me personally. And he hates Earth. He, he hates, hates it, here. it here. He hates it here. Like the 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 travel. You know, the jet lag. Can you imagine the jet lag? Planes, the seats are so small now, especially hell planes. Hell planes, that's where they're making the cuts first. What's the deal with hell plane air food? (laughs) I don't even get a bag of peanuts anymore. I know you're not allowed to smoke, but everything's on fire. (laughs) They don't even give you a cup of lava anymore. I have to bring my own bottle of lava. I pay $8 at the hell airport for a bottle of lava. That I got to bring on the plane. It's madness. It's madness. I think we can Hell. do something with this. I think we. I think this is something here. This is this is a good bit. We're, we'll cut this out, <laughs> listeners. If you're hearing this, something has gone horrible. Probably- <laughs> it's been a big mistake. Yeah. Midnight also refuses to let him use the electric chair, though, to check the other side because he's sworn to neutrality. On the way out. A half-breed demon enters. This is Balthazar, and we've seen him lingering around the fringe of previous scenes, like the initial exorcism, mm. sort of circling each other like dogs. But yeah, this is Casablanca, so they can't actually fight it out there. Nice little uh, testing the waters, though. Establishment of a of a villain, clear villain, mm. and Balthazar's you know great great name too. Great, great, great villain name. Constantine returns home dejected, and we get another one of these great low-angle shots as he traps a spider in a glass with a bunch of smoke and grouses, welcome to my life. Hmm. Which is really, really unfair. Say. Like, this is the one, this is where I was not on board with Constantine, because it's like, motherfucker, you're doing this to yourself. That spider yeah. has no choice. You're trapping him in the smoke. Now he's addicted. Wow. Now that spider. All it takes is one. Spider has lung cancer now. That spider, that act, spider. <laughs> Their lungs actor, are so tiny. They're tiny. All that's all it takes. They're not human lungs, and no one really understood that. I don't know if there was a spider guy on set, but it, it feels like they exploited that spider. Well, there's spider guys now on set because of this movie. Like that, right. anytime there's a spider involved, arachnophobia was another big one. I think that was a lot before this one. Mm-hmm. But either way, there's a knock at the door. Angela has come to see him. This was the scene that they used for casting, which I found interesting. They used this for her casting? This, for like, just, yeah, for, for like casting John and Angela. Interesting. That's yeah, cool. it was like the screen, the, the chemistry test. Um, they nailed scene. it. They nailed it. 
what brings a cop to this position to come see this guy who deals in a world that you don't believe in at all is kind of what makes it compelling, though. And she reluctantly uses her badge, too. She doesn't use it right away, which is like she is clearly interested on this on a personal level, not Mm -hmm. on a professional level. And I think that is I liked that a lot more than her, like just, you know, trying to this is where it, it separates herself as a detective from. Oh, a concerned sister. Yeah, I agree. They're also really isolated in their two shots, which looks quite good. It's also the culmination of their left to right versus right to left. Right. They stare across the table from each other. And he does reject her. But after seeing the shadows of demons rushing by after her, he pursues her outside and gives the spark notes for what's about to happen. The power around them starts to cut as the demons attack. It's awesome stuff. He lights Moses's shroud to explosively fight off these scavengers for the damned, leaving no trace for the rest of the world, except the smell of sulfur, which John comments on as Angela pukes. Happens to everyone their first time. I think this is where Keanu Reeves really excels as an actor, is the guy that's like, just another day at the job, and then does <laughs> the craziest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> like that, that, that's where he's really good. Yeah, and he's he's, he's got cr- that aloofness. Yeah, that's that 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 he nails it. He nails it with mm-hmm. that, and that's kind of like the he, the subtle humor of the movie too. We talked about earlier. Yeah, there's also a fun jump as the bus roars past him, sort of reality intruding on them again. It really makes you feel the shifting sand of what's real and what's not. She's on board now, though, so Constantine goes into hell in her apartment. I love this cats are half in, half out. He uses hers as the portal to hell. It's fun. The fun choice they made. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, you know, they're they're cat lovers, whoever Mm. wrote this. Do you believe that? (laughs) Uh, Sure, man, I guess. (laughs) I also do love the grounded nature, though, of using the household items, just what she has around And that Constantine is not the type of guy who would explain. So the movie just doesn't. He's never like, I need this turkey bowl to fucking like sit in the water. And here's why that's the case. It's just it just happens. Right. They don't beat you over the head with anything. They just don't explain it. It's just it. You're on board or you're not. Yeah, I'm on board. Their depiction of hell as well, I find pretty interesting. They said that. There's a hell and a heaven version of wherever you are, no matter where. Mm-hmm. And that that's a little more interesting than just the void, right. which is basically what he was originally going to visit. They said that this gives specific and relatable geography. And I think that it is effective. And they do that a lot. Um, they establish that geography really effective. Like they, they do it a, a lot throughout the movie. But yeah, it's well done. I like that, too, like where it's not some vague thing. They, and the CGI, too, in Hell, Hell looks awesome. Like, it, yeah. it, it looks scary as hell. It's supposed to look like a <laughs> constantly going off atomic blast. And that's pretty effective. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I've seen a scarier depiction of Hell, especially in a, in a long form like that. You know, they, they go to it quite a bit. Hey, it would have been Hell if they just had L.A., am I right? Hey, put me in that L.A. traffic, and like that's <laughs> about what it is. Whoa. <laughs> Coming up with a hot one on LA traffic. That's right. I live in Chicago. <laughs> we also got a closer look at these demons, though. No top half of their skull because they don't need a brain. As it was put, they can only heed just blindly smelling and hunting and devouring. 
said, ooh, that's cool. Head stuff is so fucking creepy. Like, when you do half a head, mm. it's creepy as hell. It's creepy, folks. It looks unsettling. Especially yeah, the bottom. Does. Like, the, I guess you couldn't just do the, just the top of the head. Whoa. Did you do that? Your tongue, like, tongue hang out? I guess they kind of did that with um, Day of the Dead. There's uh, the tongue zombie who's just, like, missing his jaw. Mm, and, uh, his yeah. tongue's just, like, hanging out. Flopping around, it would scare the shit out of me. It's gross. Yeah, it's fucking gross. Like, get, yeah, no, like a whole head, please. <laughs> they chase him to the hospital where Isabella is condemned to repeating her death, being consumed and reconstituted over and over again. And he grabs her ID wristband before escaping hell with an ampule of water as proof. The priest Hennessy goes to the morgue. Awesome effect where his head is like steaming in there. Mm-hmm. They said it wasn't CGI, just the result of doing some jumping jacks in the hot L.A. sun before going in to shoot. Wow, yeah, that's funny. The steam coming off of him. First, the him coming out of that, like the 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 hell scene and grabbing that wristband. Yeah. So well done. Like, that's another thing, too, where he's coming up. He's, like, being removed from it and mm-hmm. then grabs it and, like, exiting the, the kind of trance he was in. Right. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah, the time stop and everything. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot to mention that time stops in this really fucking awesome slowdown moment when you go into hell and then he snaps back and he's immediately like like they never were stopping. Oh yeah, he says that earlier too, I think, to her like when he kind of lays down the ground rules, like an eternity, like three seconds up here is an eternity down there. And like that's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he killed himself and like experienced that already. So he knows. He knows. He knows, folks. He knows. I love this sudden transition to the subjective POV of Hennessy that happens here, where you don't even realize it's happening, but he's struck by the dire need for a drink after touching this corpse of Isabel Mm -hmm. at the morgue, and it looks like nothing comes out of his flask, but when he drops it after the security guard finds him, you see that there is some liquid coming out of it. Right. He does that with a few bottles too. Like, right. like, yeah, he's like, you pour like the wine in the cooler and then he puts it down. You see it coming out. Yeah. He runs to get some booze from a store. Nothing is coming out of these freshly opened bottles. It's honestly pretty cool and spooky, I think, as he collapses. Yeah. It fucked me up. Like, it was it, like just that. Cause you don't know what's happening at, in real time. Like, is this like the, the universe is kind of. Like, this could happen where, like, someone is stopping the liquid from coming out of this flask or something. He can't drink anymore. Then you think, mm-hmm. oh, my God, to not be able to consume liquid, like, that sounds torturous. But then the flip side of it is the complete opposite of what he was. Happens. Yeah, he was consuming it the whole time. Holy crap. I know. And then his death is just, oh, man. He stabs a desperate message for Constantine into his hand as Balthazar once again watches from the fringe. Mm. And like no one else is like, you know, reacting. Like it feels like there was other people in the store like this shit's fucking crazy. Well, you sort of see the guy who is revealed to be half angel. He sort of is like a little concerned, but (laughs) maybe not as concerned as he should be about this guy. This is not like an everyday type thing, you know, where someone smashed. (laughs) smashing bottles trying to drink doesn't think they are drinking but in fact are and then drown themselves wow it's crazy the drowning of yourself is oh god that's gross yeah it's it's fucking disgusting one little touch that i also like is that balthazar just drinks a water (laughs) 
Like that's what a weird decision. But yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. That's fun as hell. Power move. Yep. Look at me. Look what I can do. Look at me. Look what I can do. That's Balthazar. That's what he said. <laughs> he does say it. That's another part where it kind of took me off because he like looks at the camera too. Yeah. And he says it, which is, ugh, you know, you go, weird Martin choice. Breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. The Balthazar. only time in the movie. Yeah. And he responded and he said, because I'm a devil. That's what I do. And I'm like, he whoa. Well, asked and answered. Asked, yeah. That's exactly what I said, too. It's weird. I mean, we're this is why we're such good fits for Constantine too. That's right. That's what we did need to be in the movie. We recognize stuff like this. We have conversations <laughs> with the characters while the movie's happening. Now, how many other people have done that? None. None, None many. is the answer. John is telling Angela about his past, seeing the demons and everything since he was a kid. We get a good jump scare in the bus, and as a teen, unable to take things anymore, he attempts suicide. In fact, he's successful, but brought back by the EMTs, and now having seen hell and going, oh wow, that sucks, he fights for the side of good to try and buy his way back into heaven. Yeah, this is where the emotional weight of John Constantine really sets in, because like mm-hmm. this fucking sucks. Like that—that yeah. that was your life from like a young kid. I don't blame him for trying to get out. Like that's yeah, m- sounds miserable, absolutely Definitely. miserable. And then, and then to have it be like, oh yeah, confirmed, it was all real, and yeah. you're fucked now, yeah. teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, this is it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that. This is as good as it's gonna get. Like that. Yeah, it's. It's rough. It's rough. So you kind of understand where he's coming from in his plight, as it were. Right. This is also where we learn about half-breeds and the sort of influencer loophole in their hands-off approach to the bet for the souls of mankind. Constantine has this great line where uh, Angela's like, oh, God has a, like, a plan. And he says, God is a kid with an ant farm, lady. He's not planning anything. <laughs> God, he roasted your ass. God, you done been roasted. And this is part of our, we're going to do a couple God roasts in our stand-up set. That'll be the follow-up to the hell airplane food. Mm-hmm. And we're still working on the, like, because I said, God, you done been roasted. And you said, mm-hmm. God, you're roasted. So, like, that's also <laughs> something we've been we sunk. I mean, I think too much money into focus groups on on what's better, but we still can't kind of figure it out. So, we need your help. <laughs> Well, I think that that's how we distinguish ourselves, right? It's like the blue collar comedy tour yeah. where one of us says, God, you're roasted. The other one says, God, you done been roasted. Yeah. It's kind of just, yeah, well, it's the bigger laugh. Well, right. no. And like, it'll kind of create tension between us, too, which yeah. will be it's healthy, in my opinion. It, it, yeah. Competition. <laughs> they go to the hospital and examine the room where Angela unrepresses some memories to find a message written in the dust on the window, leading them to a passage in the hell Bible. Mm. Super cool, too. Yes. Coolest part of the fake lore that they... The Hell Bible. The Hell That's Bible, cool. it's leaking oil. Seems way bigger than yes. the regular Bible. I don't know. Maybe just because it's on scale bigger. But mm. I want to. I kind of want to read it. Whoa. Not going to lie. Whoa. I'd read it. Would you read it? I don't know, man. That's pretty scary stuff. It's scary stuff. The oil, too. You gotta, yeah. Gotta read. It, if it was bleeding oil <laughs> at me, I'd probably say... I think I'm good. Well, I'd have to read it in the garage. They're not bringing that inside the house. Sure. You know. How can you? I can't. Oil? Forget about it. Getting that shit out? Impossible. It's not happening. Not Not happening. happening. The back lanes of a bowling alley where B-Man lives. B-Man. I call him (laughs) B-Man. 
think it's spelled like B-Man, though. It is, but it sounds like that sounds like a superhero himself. But Another spinoff. B-Man. But he lives above a bowling alley. It has nothing to do with bees. And also, spoiler alert, doesn't live very long. <laughs> it's a very short movie. Yeah. It's a cool area that he lives in, and he's researching the symbol at John's request, and calls after finding a loophole in the Hell Bible scripture that says, well, demons normally can't come to our plane, there's a certain set of circumstances where the son of the devil could, and they need a powerful psychic and the help of God? What? 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 A what? The help of who? Uh? <laughs> This cast of characters is really cool because, like, no one's ever really, no one's overdone. You got Midnight, you got this guy, B Man. Like, yeah, it's just kind of all compliments to mm-hmm. Constantine. And he's like, it, no one takes away from him. They're just, you know, accessories, the little arrows in his quiver, which I enjoy. That's right. Well, and this arrow's been shot because by reading the Bible, Beeman opened himself up to danger and he's consumed by flies from mm-hmm. the inside. Very creepy as it crawls out of his eye. Disgusting. This is another pretty disgusting death because you see it happen at first and then you're like, oh, no, maybe it's just one. Yeah. And then it's not. It's actually not just one. It's 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 a bunch of them. Yeah. They arrive too late, greeted by the smell of sulfur and the swarm buzzing around his corpse. Mm. And uh, the man with the sphere of destiny, we check back in with him. He steals a car for the next leg of his journey. You had another funny billboard with Got Faith in the background. <laughs> Fun fact, that one was actually already just there. And part of why they chose that location. Oh, I bet. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Saving money on uh, set design right that's there. That's right. That's right. That's actually right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, oh, you're right. And that's now that crazy. It, now that you mention it, and actually, now that I think about it, that's actually right. Wow. And you're you're lowering your leather sunglasses to to give me a wink, and I can see you do that. So that's that's <laughs> hey, that's good. Kid? Great job, kid. So natural. For, li- just... <laughs> for listeners, the winking is just flawless. It's like so natural. It's it looks great. <laughs> Angela has come to grips with her abilities, and he trains her, so to speak. Although it's very brusque. Mm-hmm. And one of the rules he mentions to her that I like is that it's sort of childlike logic. Like when you were scared of monsters in the dark, you see them, they see you. So when she convinced herself that they're not real, she had sort of removed herself from danger. Now that she's back in the world, she's at risk. Yeah, that is. And uh, I, I, it's something that I, ne- I don't think I appreciated on first viewing. It took mm-hmm. like this viewing to kind of for that to set in. But that, that, again, like that sets like her, gives it a little bit more depth to her character, which I appreciated. There's also a really cool shot as she steps out from behind the green glass into the light. It's sort of this conscious decision to accept her path. Mm -hmm. And he sinks her in the tub. Water is the universal conduit, after all. And he sends her to hell. It feels like a real betrayal when he holds her under. It's fucking crazy. It is. It's like, you know, like... It's scary because she's, you know, thrashing and trying to survive. But also at the same time, too, you trust Constantine, I feel. Like, you know he's doing this. You know, it's interesting you say that because I am on sort of the other side where I think that part of why it works is you go, I don't really know anything about this guy, right? Like, he's a loose cannon who knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, that's, I mean, 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'd have to. It's it's hard to remove because I knew what happened too. Mm. So, I yeah, think I when you have when you have demons in play, anything is possible. Anything you know, and he is he is a loose cannon. And you mm-hmm. see him with kind of like the weapons he has. He's a loose cannon, but damn it, Riggs, he gets results. He gets results. He does get results. And I'm like, his rogue ways are questionable, but, yeah. you know, god damn it, Constantine. Literally. <laughs> I really like that we don't need to see hell a second time here. Mm-hmm. We see time slow like it did when John went. And then suddenly we're back. And she's exploding out of the tub in terror and steaming on the ground. We just saw it. We don't need to go back. We'll have it again later. But but I think just sort of getting it, getting through this really works for me. 100%. Because if they did too much, then it's like it, they make it seem like going to hell is such a big deal. Like yes. they come out of it like steaming physically. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they did it too much, then it's like, okay, we can just go to hell now. Like literally. Yes. You know, all the things I've been saying to these passing motorists, you know, like that's. Right. <laughs> It's actually NBD. We can just do that. Okay. But no, I think they did it well. Like, yeah, you're right. Like not going here and kind of just like leaving that to the imagination. Mm -hmm. It's uh, she also wiggles her fingers, a little foreshadowing moment for the coin that she's about to lead Constantine to Mm. and proof of Balthazar's complicity in Beeman's death. Mm. Damn Balthazar. That damn Balthazar. We knew he was bad news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drinking that water. <sighs> Nobody drinks water. <laughs> no in a liquor store? Come on. Come on. Just kidding, folks. Hydrate or dehydrate. Yeah, please hydrate. Drink that water. Be like Balthazar. <laughs> Constantine builds a weapon here out of artifacts, which is very fun and explosive. It's canes and daggers and clocks and crucifixes. Although they cut out the actual construction scene, which they did shoot. But they felt that it was sort of cliche, and what they'd rather have is the emotional beat of her playing with the toy that John gave Beeman, and him sort of pausing when she does that, and he hears the noise. Interesting. Construction scene, so, like, constructing of... The weapon. Okay. Like, it's just him, all we see is him with his back to the to the camera, whereas they actually did film, like, a shot of him building the weapon. Oh, okay. That's cool. That'd be a cool deleted scene, but yeah, I don't know if it's... You need it. Because you, right. you got it. The emotion of it is more important right. than than the, the brief fun of the construction, I think. Yeah, agreed. John heads up to Balthazar's office, greeting him with a gunshot and holy water as the fight begins. More Stan Winston effects, which is fun. Brass knuckles, which is fun. He prepares for the finishing blow. The last rites of forgiveness to send him to heaven for punishment. This is where the the demon makeup too is really like the half face he's got going yeah, on in, right here. It's yeah, it's creepy. It's scary. He's, he's almost sort of a two face kind of guy. Oh, who? No, I'm from- he also has a coin, like some kind of a two face kind of guy. Yeah, something like a two face. I don't know if that, that exists yet. I don't know. Maybe this is another original idea for us. <laughs> Yeah, maybe his name, like, we got a Two-Face, he's got to have a human name. Double Face. Double Face. <laughs> the great character, Double Face. Double Face. Hey, I'm Double Face. <laughs> one of my faces is here, and one of my faces is here, and I got a Double Face. And that's my catchphrase, and you're going to remember <laughs> it. You're going to remember it. It's not too long. And it's played by me, the agent, <laughs> from Silent Night, Deadly Night. 
That's right, I'm everywhere. I'm back, baby. You gotta go listen to the other episode to hear about me. That's right, this is some dense lore that we're putting in. <laughs> this agent is all over the place. He's got a very specific voice. <laughs> Balthazar gives up the information to stop the last rites, but it was a trick all along. You have to ask for forgiveness, you dumbass. Mm. If only he'd known. If only he'd known, but... After they leave, a shadowy figure talks to Balthazar about how this is actually still going according to plan. Mm. Not only to get Angela there, but to put her in such peril that John has to reignite her psychic powers so they can use her to let the son of the devil cross over. Mm. So it's a triple cross. Triple cross. Rare. Son of the devil, too. Another thing that like no one ever, I think, really ever talked about. Or said, I never heard of a son of the devil. But they introduce it here, which is very cool. And he's creepy as hell. Mamone yeah. is his name. Mamone. Not a normal name. You know, like, I've never heard that name before. So I have only heard it in the context of the son of the devil. So, right. Yeah, I think um, if you name your kid. Oh, this is little Mamone. <laughs> this is Jimmy. And that's Sally. And way in the back, you can see little Mamone. Maybe. <laughs> see little Mamone right there. Yeah, he's the one setting fire to stuff. (laughs) His little tail is so cute. (laughs) Maybe it is a popular name. I don't know. Maybe I'm showing my ignorance. I don't think so. I've never ran into a Mamone. Yeah. It's not a a popular name in my corner of Philadelphia, is what I'll tell you. (laughs) There was originally a big car chase here as Balthazar reformed and pursued, but budgets already had them going kind of, maybe we should cut this. And then the Matrix Reloaded came out, and they said, well, fuck, we're definitely not topping that. Mm. And they scrapped the whole thing. I think that's probably a good move. I don't know. We can never do, like, we can have more car chase scenes. The Matrix Reloaded is the best. Yeah. Or it's, it's up there with the best. I can but, imagine not wanting to go up against that. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, it's, it's it, again, make, we make a fun deleted scene. Sure. Instead, though, Angela is sucked through a hole that appears in many, many walls right out the damn window and carried away. It's mm. a fun, fun moment as well. Yeah, because you're like, what's happening? And yeah, you can't really see much, but there's a cool effect shot. Yeah, it's sort of the opposite of a leather line in that it's invisible. Yes. Sort of. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> An invisible leather line? We could be onto something. You're you're, you're dreaming. You're you're thinking big, and I like that. I do like that. John storms over to Midnight's. He punches out the bouncer in a funny scene, but Midnight is prepared, and he fights John with some magic until John convinces him to uphold his oath and let him use the chair because the neutrality is already broken. Something is up with the demons. Mm -hmm. This is where he lays that Switzerland line on him, and yeah, yeah, using the chair scene, very cool, effective. They set up and and they just fucking rock. Like when they become friendly again, it's just so fun. Yeah, you can see the turn. Like and you know he knows what he really needs to do, but he's yeah. trying to, you know, be who he's always been. So yeah, it, it's cool. It's cool. And again, we get to see Midnight's place, which I'm a big fan of, as I've said before. Mm-hmm. So there should have been more scenes here. It's my only great. There you go. But yeah, very cool. Constantine, he goes back. He follows the trail of the scavenger, which plays into originally he was like looking over his shoulder in the scenes that we saw him in. He's feeling Constantine's presence the whole time, mm. not just being paranoid. 
Yeah, I, don't, I have nothing to add. I don't know. I, I see your cat behind you, though. Look at that. And she's... That's Lula. Lula? Lula. And she's really perching herself up there. Yep. Staying very still. Looking at that. Being attacked. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't like that. Very cute. Yeah, so they melt down some gold relics into bullets, and Chaz has a good idea about putting holy water in the sprinkler system to give them an edge, which earns him a place in the final battle and a prayer from Papa Midnight himself. This is a cool part where the apprentice-master relationship works, mm-hmm. where he kind of, like, he has this cool, mo- this Shia LaBeouf's character, Chaz, has a cool monologue, and, like, he kind of flexes his knowledge of everything, like, hey, I'm I'm ready for this kind of thing. Sure, you don't sit on the bench if you're not ready to play. Right, and he knows he's ready to play, and he gets the chance to play, which is fun, which is a cool turn for the character. He's not in yep. the movie much, but this is this is fun. He does get to play. Angela is dropped into the pool where her sister died as Chaz and John roll up. She's not alone, though, as the scavenger approaches and shrugs off her bullets to grab her and start drowning her. Mm. Yeah, this is rough. Because she empties an entire clip into him. She sure does. You see it just going right through into the wall. Hopeless. Yeah. A lobby full of half-breeds notice the gunshots, but Constantine rolls in and grabs their attention. He drags the chair over, clambers up, holds his lighter to the sensor, and triggers the holy water attack, quite upsetting these half-breeds, I don't mind telling you. They do not like it. They don't like it at all, including the one remaining glimpse of Michelle Monaghan, whose character got cut. She's the one who says, holy water. That's her? Oh my god, I I felt like she looked familiar, but it was, I, I, I didn't think it could be anybody, you know, recognizable. Yeah, her character got cut. She's basically like an enemy with benefits, I would describe. Interesting. Because she is, uh, as we see, a demon. You see her having, like, in the aftermath, uh, sex with John. She's the one who tells him originally, oh, the devil hates you so much. You're the one soul he'd come up to claim. There's a fun moment where you see her tail, like, waggling under the covers of the bed, which is a, a cool little moment. It's, yeah, kind of superfluous, but... It, like, it's fun. She's fun in like, scenes. She's in like every movie in this era. Yeah. Too, so she had to make an appearance. Yeah, she had to be. The Michelle Monaissance. Fun fight scene emerges, much more kinetic camera than usual here, which I like is kind of a, a shocking break in the way that we've been experiencing the movie. Mm-hmm. Chaz has to rescue him as well. Big ups to Chaz again. He he saves the day. He saves yeah. the day. Kind of becomes a hero for a brief moment. I also really like that Angela goes to hell and the scavenger demons are, like hold off attacking her. You see them wanting to do it, but then Mammon approaches her. And you're just like, fuck, man. Yeah, it's cool. The way he approaches too, it's very menacing. Mm-hmm. And again, we get to see hell for a brief moment. They don't overdo it, but it looks, mm-hmm. yeah. The sense of terror on her face. Uh, she And this is where she crushes it too, because you're in hell. Mm-hmm. Like, this is as scared as you have to ever be. It's crazy that they actually went there. They shot on location. That, that is crazy, too. Like, that's where they literally blew the budget. And yeah. all they did was, I, I mean, had to be super hot, too. Like, the the fireproof cameras and It's everything. so hot, but when you're there and Mamon is doing his thing, you're like, it was worth it. Yeah. It was fucking worth it. When you get to see Mamon, because... Yeah, you do. He's the dude who rolls up. No, I'm saying when you get to see him... Like oh it, yeah it, oh it, when you get to, I thought you said we didn't get to no see him. no yeah you do he rolls up but like yeah when and, and when, you, when you finally get to see Mamon like oh this trip was worth it mm-hmm. like this whole yes. thing yes so special 
plane, the hell plane oh, again. Click, click, click. Got to land in hell airport again. <laughs> hell AX. Hell AX. Very good. <laughs> I felt good about that yeah. one as I said it. Very good. <laughs> well, there's something there. No leg room, but plenty of tail room. <laughs> plenty of tail room. Would you're like, I don't care about that. You know, I don't have a tail, dude. <laughs> of course you don't. Yeah, because no demons are flying on Hell AX. Yeah, they just can teleport. Yeah. It's weird that they have the airport. But anyway. <laughs> John finds her just as she's possessed. Really cool shot where he finds the formerly possessed scavenger first, now dead. And they said in this commentary, it never really comes across in the movie but he basically lost his powers and immediately was hit by everything he shrugged off all movie. The car crash, the mm. gunshots. That's such a fun idea. You know, that's one thing where it's like, I wish they had sort of been able to communicate that idea a little better. Maybe maybe we see these wounds, I mean, but then it happens immediately. So how could you do that? Right. You can't. That is really cool, though. Like to like it's it was all built up like in mm. reserve. This damage was in reserve for whenever yeah. he snapped out of it. Yeah, I don't know how you how you portray that on screen, but that is a really cool idea. Yeah. John fights Mammon now in mm -hmm. Rachel Wise's body, and he attempts to exercise him, and there's this fun fake out where it looks like it works until he attempts to erupt from her gut. I also think that this works as a fun callback to the beats of the first exorcism with Constantine. 100%. There, there's also a through line with the water, you know, the drowning, the, mm -hmm. the you know, that's the kind of reverse now. You know, the from the earlier bathtub scene. Right. Yeah. And Chaz has to jump in and help. Mm -hmm. He lends Constantine his power to push the demon back and gets punished for this. An invisible force grabbing him and slamming him against the roof and ground. Mm. Another victim of the Constantine curse. Constantine curse. Yeah, this is a sad one, too, because he's just coming off the highest moment of his life. Yes. You know, taking down the son of the devil. Then he's to, killing it. Yeah, he's literally killing it. He was. Yes. But now he's he's he was now he's killed killed it. killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. That that was great. That lands. I think that that landed in tracks. <laughs> that totally tracks. Yeah. That would land. <laughs> that would land at Heliax. Let me tell you what. Yes. In a rage, Constantine casts a spell that reveals the unseen forcing the shadows to roll back and gather in the center of the room, and they form into Gabriel, of all people. Mm, or of all half-breed angels. <laughs> Gabriel attacks Constantine and brags about the great plan. And they're so mad about how easy humans have it. Forgiveness, just like that, despite our awful deeds. It's not fair, they say. This is reminded me of the movie Dogma, where mm -hmm. Bartleby and Loki have the same gripe with humans that they get sure. like a free pass with getting into heaven and everything. So it seems like it's a, I like this depiction of angels like this mm, angry petty. petty. Yeah. Like they're like, that, that's cool. There's not too much uh, around them in terms of storytelling. So I, I do. I enjoyed this. Yeah. Gabriel wants to inspire us to be worthy of that forgiveness by showing the alternative, mm -hmm. by giving the world to the son of the devil, and those that survive will finally be worthy. The road to salvation begins tonight. Yeah, and this is where like the appreciation of existence and everything, and like the the theme really comes together like that. Like, I'm gonna give you guys hell. And then that asks like, you know, like that wasn't the case before. You know, like how much worse can it possibly get sometimes? Mm -hmm. You know? Scary thought. Scary thought. 
I also think that this might have been slightly improved if they went for the Halloween kills approach and chanted, the road to salvation begins tonight. <laughs> the road to salvation begins tonight. That would have been good. And evil dies tonight. They could have even said that in this movie and it would have been good too, I think. Yeah, it would have made sense. That's yeah. for sure. Constantine just screaming, evil dies tonight. Evil. <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd watch it. I'm there. I'm there, baby. Day one. Day one, midnight showing. Yes. Constantine says, "Well, we'll have to be there for the premiere of the new one, so new, yeah. it'll be like that." Well, we're, we're gonna be, yeah. I think we'll, we'll work our way up from extras. We're gonna start as extras, and then we'll be like, "Oh, the, all of a sudden, we got speaking yeah. roles." Yeah, you were the only one who said extra. I did never. I never agreed to that. You okay? We're we're going in for like above the title type. Yeah. Deal. Okay. That's right. It's us and Keanu <laughs> and Rachel Wise. She's back too. That's right. We gotta get JP. That's in my there. other demand. I don't know what they're thinking, but I'm demanding that Rachel Wise return. Oh, she'd have to. Yeah. I mean, like that's well, as Isabel. Yes. So, yeah. Right. Gabriel sends Constantine flying out of the room and begins the ritual to conjure Mammon. So Constantine realizes what he has to do and he cuts his wrist with some broken glass. Mm, I tough. truly find this crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like you just would never expect this from a superhero movie today. This movie just goes to these dark places for his heroic turn to be killing himself is a staggering concept in a very like, I don't know. It's just oh, like cutting your wrists like that and like no hesitation too. he just does it. He finds the piece of glass. He summons the strength like physically because he just went through hell literally. And then you see the pools of blood under his wrist. Ugh. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. This is dark. This is. Not shit. You would. You're right. You would never see this in. Yeah, I feel like you wouldn't even see this in an R-rated movie now, like a superhero movie. Like this is something kind of that existed of its time. Yeah, and this of course calls back to the comment from Papa Midnight. Constantine is the one soul the devil would come to collect personally, and so he does with time freezing. Just as Gabriel brings down the spear, really nasty image with the fingers of Mammon pushing the stomach out. Mm -hmm. Gross. Also really cool with the blood surrounding the watch. That looks sick. Yeah, and the way that they, they that's another like kind of the the cigarette shot on the dresser. It was like just seeing that watch uh, uh, like with the blood and then mm -hmm. the second hand slowly stopping. Yeah. Great. Great stuff. We got to talk about the devil. It's my man Peter Stormare. I think this is the best portrayal of the devil. Wow. Wow, I can't disagree with you because I can't think of another one off the top of my head. I guess what Al Pacino. Pacino. Willem Dafoe, I think, looks like a good devil. Has he ever played a devil? I think people have said that before, though. Jack Nicholson uh, in The Witches of Eastwick. Okay. He's, he's very good. He's in The Witch by... <laughs> he's a goat. <laughs> Who else? Oh, uh, fucking Tim Curry was the devil in Legend. Okay, love Tim Curry. Love Tim Curry. But here, I love that Stormare is like sweaty and greasy and pale. He has no eyebrows. He's barefoot, but tracking this sizzling crude oil because he needs to stain the ground before walking on it. It's just fucking gross. Mm -hmm. He looks like a gross guy trying to dress up. It adds weight, too, to like, oh, the, the one soul of the devil would come himself to collect so it makes it like it really shows you that like coming here it's a process it's a process he's dripping in oil 
takes them a minute to even like get into the scene. Yeah. You know? Francis said he was insistent on the casting. They wanted something unique for a portrayal and landed on Fagin from Oliver Twist. So powerful, he doesn't even need to get angry. I thought that was a good description. Hmm. Keanu tells him about Memon's plan to seize power, and the devil isn't happy about this. He does lick Constantine before going to check the (laughs) other room. Uh, He explodes the glass doors. Very fun. Very cool. Just a great performance. Very unnecessary, but also I was thinking too. Just or was it entirely necessary? It was entirely necessary because I thought that my first thought was like when you blow the glass door, I was like, oh, you could just opened it. But then I'm like, well, if I could do that, yeah. I think every door is getting open. You're the way. devil. Yeah, I'm like fucking cares. What yeah. am I gonna do? Go to hell? <laughs> oh, I'm already the the captain of hell. Hey, I'm flying first class into hell, AX. In that in that case, yeah, I'm going up in the cockpit. Yeah, know, bossing the pilots around. You know. <laughs> I'm bossing them around saying, hey, fly this into the ground because this is hell. This is That's hell. That's what happens. Airplanes crash all the time. That's how it goes here. Stop <laughs> flying it so good. <laughs> You're too good, <laughs> pilot demons. I'll sick my agent on you next thing you know. Turn in your badge and your gun, pilot demon. <laughs> You're a loose cannon just like Constantine. Just like Constantine. Why do you have so many guns? Turn over your your demon brass knuckles, too. <laughs> no, not my demon brass knuckles. <laughs> they're, only, they're only matched to Constantine's brass knuckles, which have the cross on them. You've seen them. <laughs> they're gold. They're so cool. Why they're don't we so have gold cool. ones? These are silver, and they have a fucking 666, 666 on them. They're fucking lame as hell. And they smell like shit. They smell like sulfur. I hate it. I you hate don't get so used much. to the smell of sulfur. The devil stops Gabriel. You see Mamon fighting in his grip in the reflection, which I think is very cool. Gabriel tries to fight, but abandoned by God to to Satan's great delight here. And he drops Mamon back into hell. Gabriel's wings burn off and they're swallowed by the exploding water behind them. I love the sort of like greasy delight mm-hmm. that Stormare takes and being like, oh, I guess you're abandoned after all. Yeah, it looks like, like someone doesn't so good. Looks like someone doesn't have your back anymore. Like that way he delivered it so well. Yes. And you feel for Gabriel. You don't feel for Gabriel because they're the, kind of in a piece of shit. But yeah, like seeing the wings burn up like that, mm. like, oh man, it sucks. Yes. And the devil returns his attention to Constantine. But the problem is by doing this last act of self-sacrifice, God has reset his debt, and God goes to claim him for heaven, with Constantine giving him the finger on his way up. <laughs> Great stuff. And rather than lose this soul that he so dearly wants, the devil instead restores him to life, giving him another chance to fuck it up. Really cool shot, as you can see heaven in front of him, and the hospital behind him, just like literally in the same shot. Mm-hmm. And we lose heaven as Satan's hands reach into John's chest and rip out the cancer. Another establishment of the geography of heaven and hell. And yeah, the fact that the devil cures lung cancer is amazing. It's an amazing twist that no one would see coming. And just to retain that soul to get another crack at him. Mm -hmm. Love it. Like that was devil cures cancer. Like, come on. It's sick. It's great stuff. It's cool stuff. Makes me uh, want, like, then that point for smoking. Point, <laughs> point for smoking. 
You might get cured by the devil yeah. on your way out. I mean, don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. A lot of people complained about this as well, because I guess in the comic books that this was inspired by, like the specific run, John tricks the devil into restoring him to life, basically, and to curing his cancer, as opposed to the devil being like, I'm doing this to get another crack at your soul. But what would they call this if not tricking him? Right. He convinced him to stop Mammon and save humanity. So that was him tricking the devil. Right. And that's what gets him into heaven. So the devil cures him. It was tricking the devil. And I don't know. I never read the comics, like I said, but like that seems more interesting the way they did in the movie, because it also adds a layer to both the devil and God. They're both kind of petty. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they want to claim this soul. Mm-hmm. Like they feel like what's theirs is theirs. Yeah. And they'll do kind of like whatever it takes to get it, you know, just not unlike human beings. So, whoa, I know. Right. I just <laughs> thought that. But yeah, no, it's cool. Like, I I like I think I and again, it's hard to say because I never read it, but I think that they nailed it with the way they did in the movie. Yeah. Now both restored. Angela thanks him for his sacrifice. And he just very curtly says, no problem, which <laughs> I thought was very funny. Yeah, it was good. It's got some good lines. Gabriel is there, too. A dang-ass nasty human now. Asked to be killed, and instead, Constantine just knocks their block off with a punch. That's pain. Get used to it. Gabriel gloats about this, too, though. Look how well you're doing, picking the higher path. I love that, too. Like, he just, like, the punch he lays on Gabriel. Very impactful. And then that's where, like, yeah, you're, you're a human now, and it's so transparent the want to die mm-hmm. from gay. Like, Oh, just murder me. Just get rid of me. Like, Oh it, yeah. Actually you could do revenge right now. Yeah, actually, Please do it. Like here, <laughs> here's the gun. Like, no, yeah. like, yeah, I don't think so. You gotta wake up pretty early in the morning to pull one over on John Constantine. Time passes. So John meets Angela on the roof, giving her the spear to hide. And it ends with him looking over the city redeemed and fulfilling his destiny as part of the celestial machine externalized by his decision to pop some nicotine gum instead of a Siggy. Mm. Cute little button. Yeah. This little Nicorette instead. Yeah, that is fun. Because you, you, the, the the fake out at the end is like, oh, he quit mm. smoking. Good for him. He's got clean lungs. That's no. right. We also do get an after credit scene where he leaves his now unused lighter at Chaz's tomb, where he emerges as an angel behind John and silently ascends to heaven. So one last scene for the road get a little closure on chaz that's right he's in heaven after all yeah isabelle's in heaven chaz is in heaven you know i mean it is funny they talk in the commentary about how when it's revealed to be gabriel they're like uh, we're like out of characters it could be yeah at this point (laughs) everyone's either dead or explicitly on john's side right yeah that's where the lack of characters kind of works for me though too Isabel, like going, like I mentioned going into heaven, like the the process of that too, I thought was really cool. When he just kind of like blinks, mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, it's done, it's done." Like the the simplicity and like the ease of that too. Like they, right. just, they could just do whatever they want, whenever they want. Like it's trading like, draft picks, right? It's like so meaningless. Like yeah, it's it's yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. And now, Riggs, we've reached the part of the episode where we sum up why this is in fact. The best horror movie ever made. Ordinarily, I would let you start. But as this is a movie that I picked, I will start. Yes. 
to me, this is the best horror movie ever made because it is just so sincere, I feel like, in, in a way that is hard to come across these days. Mm-hmm. It's completely devoid of self-referential gags. It never tells a joke at the movie's expense. Everyone is completely on board with what they're doing. And I think that this is where Keanu excels. He is so great at being this sort of messianic savior character. He's so fucking badass. And he makes things look so effortless that he's perfect as John Constantine. Mm -hmm. As this rock star exorcist who makes it look like he rolled out of bed to do this. I love it. I think he is a perfect fit for it. And yeah, maybe he's not the brash blonde from Liverpool that is in the comics, but this is its own thing. Mm-hmm. This is this is um, uh, its own unique movie. I think that he knocks what they're trying to do out of the park. The way it looks is so great, especially for 2005. An era where a lot of movies look like shit when you go back to them. This movie, I think, holds up incredibly well. The directorial flourishes are not too explicitly in your face, but they are there and they are nice. Those moments like leaving the cigarette, those moments like the noir shots, using the the sort of seedy L.A. areas that aren't put into every movie. I like I said, I really think that if this had a, a, a better, like a soundtrack, mm-hmm. not just a score, that it would be as iconic as The Crow and Blade. But even without that, everybody coming together, all of these great character actors, Pruitt, Taylor, Vince, Shia LaBeouf is really fun in his small role. Jimon Hansu is really fucking great. We have been talking about Rachel Wise the entire time, how great she is. She's the emotional core. Tilda, incredible. Peter yeah. Stormare, incredible. Everyone is so fucking good in this movie. They perfectly deliver and elevate what could be corny religious schlock mm-hmm. into this really interesting sort of treatise on what it means to be alive and the value of that, as you as you sort of alluded to earlier. And I think that being, being part of John's journey is uh, just a delight. Just a delight. And that's why it's the best horror movie ever made. Wow. Yeah, you put it very well. I don't, I, I mean, I, I can't add too much more, but you're right. Like, th- this is where Keanu does excel. And I think I'm thinking about it now. And I'm like, is this my favorite role of his? Wow. And I'm thinking about it. The Matrix is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. But I think he is almost better in those roles, like when he becomes the one. Instead of realizing like that learning process, that like coming of hero type story, like when he is like established and like, oh, I'm just getting shit done. Like that's when he is top notch and he is that the whole time in this movie thrown into it. Right. Like you have it like from the get go. He's the authority figure. He's the one that's taking care of business. He's handling this exorcism. Go get him a fucking mirror. You know, like that's, you know, you're you're thrown into it. And I, I like that. I think he crushes it. But the movie as a whole is really good. The story is very interesting. Like the the depiction of heaven and hell and angels and demons. And it's it's really cool. It's really well done. And like the the stuff that they, they could have they could have went anywhere with it. They could have had so much like it, it could have been ridiculous, but I think it exists in a world where it's like it's it's close enough to religion as we understand it, 
but then they also elevate it a little bit with like these rules and different dynamics between the two it was really well done and subtle enough to where you know you kind of just let the movie flow and like take in the action and all like the, the the beautiful set pieces and everything that they do and just let it go over you it, it was it was great i really really enjoyed it and it's also to, to to close one of the few movies that i've seen and i could probably only list like maybe a small handful and there's a lot of movies that have been made but in case you didn't know but like that holds up so well maybe even gets better from when i first watched it to now because i loved yeah. it when i first watched it bought it on dvd i didn't buy i was collecting them but i wasn't buying everything i was only buying the stuff i liked and i really liked this one and I loved it even more, maybe now, as a ability stood the to the test of time it in an incredible way. It really did. It, it it aged like a fine wine. So and I want to watch it again. And I will. So that's yeah, why I'll, I'll definitely watch this again before yeah. Constantine 2 comes out. Oh, 100 percent Like because I think that's like next year, maybe 2025, who knows? But like, yeah, this is I'll watch this again right right uh right before that. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. Everything that you said, I co-signed, so that's why this is the best horror movie ever made. He said it, folks. And said it's it. true. Can't unsay it. Best horror movie ever made. Riggs, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a hoot and a half, as always. Mm-hmm. Please tell the people where they can find you. Wow, George, thank you for having me, first of all. This is always a pleasure. It's getting the boys chopping it up about a, an awesome movie. So thank you again for having me. But yes, you can find me. On the Twitter sphere, yeah, or X, whatever. I'm still on there at Reegs815. I stream occasionally on uh, Twitch, also at Reegs815. Happy hour with Reegs. Do a little power hour and play some games. So George has been on in the past. It's a fun time. That's very sporadic now. I'm trying to get back on a schedule, but I am also expecting a baby. So that is kind of throwing <laughs> things off. But hey, honestly, you might be up and about, right? So yeah, maybe you'll get some weird hour streams. I know. Yeah, I'll be streaming <laughs> at like 4 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, that'll, <laughs> that would be kind of fun. So but look out for that. Follow me on Twitter and that's where you can find all that stuff. Hell yeah, I definitely encourage you to do that. Riggs is a delight to talk to and he's a great streamer. Thank you, sir. So definitely follow him. Maybe one of those days he'll actually beat Goldeneye, although I doubt it. <laughs> Unlikely. Unlikely. <laughs> or catch Carmen Sandiego, which I probably also will never do. That rascal. <laughs> Slippery. <laughs> as far as my plugs, you can find me on Letterboxd and Instagram at LittleHorrorPHL. Also, Blue Sky, if you're on there. LittleHorrorPHL everywhere you want to find me, including Patreon. Check out all kinds of bonus episodes. $5 a month gets you a whole world of extra episodes. They're all great. We do stuff like the additional uh, Choose Your Own Adventure episodes. We do spotlights on alternate media like Resident Evil 4 and Gideon the Ninth. And we just did an episode about Assault on Precinct 13, the John Carpenter movie, which was a really great time. It's just everything everything that, you know, can't quite fit on the main feed goes over there, and uh, it's always a damn blast getting to decide what's going out this month. And, uh, yeah, so you got a really cool grab bag of stuff. The live stream is happening. I Oh, that actually might have happened already by the time this episode comes <laughs> out. 
I don't know. Let's look at the calendar. Let's see what that says. I think that that's the case. Yeah, this will have happened on last Friday. So I assume that went well. <laughs> Crushed it. I'm sure. I'm sure. It was the funniest set I've ever seen. Yeah, dude. I was I was really in my bag. I was I'll have to pull out Hell AX on stream. You'll have to pull it out before yeah. this happen before this comes out so that uh it'll people will think that it's fresh. I'll have that one in the in my pocket ready for when I'm when I'm floundering. That's right. And then yeah, like that and then it'll make more sense when they hear this episode too. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone. <laughs> Bye. Over to the emergency embassy. He'll say race the one. Squaffy around my over boy roots of yes, I snap. Sky a lammer fell no lammer frame me. A man keeps my name is Lossy Lost George. He love the moisten ears now now over the stew. Hey everyone, this is the devil speaking through George. He sold his soul to me in exchange for a great 2023, and I delivered. He got a bunch of milestones like hitting 100,000 downloads total, and hitting 2,000 downloads on an episode, one of two from this year sitting at the top of the all-time list. He's very grateful and says it was all worth it from his end, and he's looking forward to another year of the show with episode 200 in sight. He hopes you all enjoyed, keep on listening, and have a wonderful new year.
Okay, bye. Oh, yeah, that yellow elephant didn't matter. And there was a kid, stand up there, boss, so we all for the Sky yellow heading out for Manila, scrap your work, my eat up, and give you Manila vegetables.